Welcome back to another episode of Religion and Story, the podcast. Today, our question is, how do you get the most out of a Bible class? The questions we'll be asking have to do with the community that's in the Bible class and how we as a community can best contribute to Bible class learning, how teachers can prepare us uh, for a successful Bible class, and how the delivery of the Bible class is so important. Now, one thing we have to say is that the, the idea of the Bible class is not as old as scriptures. It's something that has been around for probably only a, a few hundred years, but the idea of teaching within the church is as old as scriptures themselves. So what we're talking about today is our modern Bible classes and how they can best function to, to build knowledge. And how do we best uh, accomplish that? So uh, Daniel, let me hand it off to you. What are some of your thoughts on how we can get the most out of our Bible classes? All right, so I'll, I'll give a few beginning ideas. Um, the first thing is from the teacher standpoint. Uh, a few preliminary comments there say, I think teachers should do uh, research for their classes. Um, unless you are very, very gifted, uh, you should not try winging it. You are doing a disservice to everyone who has come to hear. If, if you're gifted, you will not wing it. Oh, so. Yes, thank you. Um, or if you're a duck, um, but the, uh, the other thing <laughs> that, uh, I think should be said for teachers is sometimes there's this idea that, um, everyone should be given a chance to teach or that's a way to get people involved is to have them teach. Um, I'm going to push back against that and say, no, I mean, you can have a low threshold or a low bar, but only the people who are above that bar, who are above that threshold, who want to teach or have an, uh, a gift for teaching should be teaching. Um, maybe if people, if you want to get everyone involved, leave it for a Sunday night Devo. Um, on the listener side of things, I'll say a couple things and I'll say, uh, listeners should be trying to receive, uh, Bible classes on a number of levels, um, like they do with sermons. They should be looking to be um, taught and to increase their knowledge and their wisdom. Um, they should be looking to be uh, encouraged or to be edified. Um, they should be looking for um, opportunities for lament or um, opportunities for repentance, to be pierced to the heart. Um, all of those things are good, though I will say probably the main goal of the Bible class is um, for uh, learning purposes and for knowledge purposes. It's sort of a overflow from the sermon. The preacher can't teach you everything you need to know. Uh, you should be learning on your own, but in case you're not here, we'll dedicate an hour to teach you these Bible stories and these concepts that we think you need to know. Um, those are just a few beginning ideas. Stephen, tell me something better than that. Yeah. So even before the teacher sets out to teach, it's the church, and it's de depending upon what kind of church you go to or uh, what church you're a part of, how it's structured and its administration um, procedures, is either the elders or some minister in the church is going to put together the curriculum and decide what classes are going to be taught. They will then seek out the teachers that they can best uh, 
that are going to be able to best uh, utilize their skills to teach on that topic. But what the church or the elders or the ministers, whoever it might be, needs to consider um, when they are putting together a plan for what classes need to be presented, obviously you want to examine the church, the spiritual state of your church, where the the people's needs are, if it's a church that needs to be ministered to, that is hurting in a specific area that needs to be edified in a, a specific way, then you're going to want to go about it in that direction. The other things that could be addressed are doctrinal issues or... Uh, 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 I, this kind of goes with the same thing as edification, but uh, if you're wanting to transform people's lives and uh, guide them into different ways of uh, giving them uh, the equipment they need to uh, focus their path where it should be. Um, those are things that are t taking place behind the scenes before these classes even take place. Uh, but to kind of piggyback off of what uh, Daniel was saying, the the teacher, yeah, definitely you don't want to read uh, wing it. But the 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 audience, they don't need to be winging it either. If you are to take your spiritual life seriously and you want to get something out of the class, where and I I don't even like to say this. Um, if somebody asked me how Bible class was, it's really uh, in the same way that worship isn't for us. Bible class is we need to know that we are bettering ourselves by doing it, but also we need to be taking those tools and using them in the way God would have them do it. Having said that, a, a participant in a class can't wing it by just showing up and being spoon-fed something. If you want to uh, compare classes that you are taking at church with any other class that you would take at a high school or university level and you want to uh, put the same standard of learning then you're going to have to be able to do some work show up having read what is being covered in class not just expect other people to tell you what's going on or what you missed out on make time in your schedule that you're going to set aside so that you can come prepared uh I mean, somebody on the other end, if you're a participant in the class, somebody on the other end, the teacher, has put in work to come and give you something of their time. I think it is worth their uh, respect to actually do something on your end as well. Guys, are there any other things that uh, the audience could do? Yeah, so I, I like the framework that you all have used. So. Like you were saying, Stephen, you, you have to start at the beginning when the ideas for what Bible class will be are developed. I think it's important for the congregation to work as a cohesive unit, as a body, like the church should be. So the preacher is trying to go in some direction that the preacher and the elders have agreed upon is the direction that the church needs to go to. Maybe a theme for the year or a sermon series or something like that. While the Bible classes don't have to be directly related to that, it's important that the Bible classes operate as if they're uh, aware of the direction that the church is going in. What I mean by that is different groups within your church might have different needs and different ways to respond to the direction of the church. For example, if you are in a congregation that is growing and, and constantly adding more Christians, as I hope all uh, congregations are, you might have the need for an ongoing new members or new Christians uh, course, where maybe you spend 13 weeks going through the basics of what it means to be a Christian. 
You might have a, a class for women where they're able to spend time together and talk about uh, the the different needs that they have as women of the congregation and, and talking about the ways that they're they're developing uh, in their specific uh, struggles. Uh, obviously, we have uh, children's classes, teenagers' classes, and then we have classes that are dealing with specific issues. So the congregational leadership needs to be aware of those needs, be aware of the size of the congregation, and plan accordingly. Then you, you go to the idea of once you have those classes, you assign you assign a class leader to that, a class teacher. And to any of our listeners who have not been involved with class teaching before, but have ha ever had the inkling to, um, while James chapter 3 does say uh, that not many of you should desire to be teachers, uh, I would say that James is giving us the warning, knowing that the process He's giving us the warning because the the act of teaching is rewarding. It's something that encourages and builds up the, the Christian. We should all desire to know God better. And as we get to know him better, to share that with others, to, to share uh, our love for Christ. And part of that love is based out of the knowledge that we have. Uh, most often, Classes should be taught by those who are trying to build a knowledge. I've often gone into uh, a Bible class, I've announced we're going to do this for the next quarter, having not done a lot of the research on the topics that will be taught. That's something that, that goes on, and, and part of the reward is preparing for those classes. So the teacher needs to prepare those classes with the audience in mind, not to change the message in any way, but to think about how it can best be communicated in order to share with them how Christ can transform them and the, the necessary knowledge for that relationship to be built up. Stephen, one place where I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, but I think I'm offering a more realistic idea is, is about uh, how the class participates. Yes, you know, with any relationship or any class that someone has taken in the past, obviously they need to participate. They need to prepare for those things. But let's face it, we're in a culture right now in Christian Bible classes where people do not come prepared. I think uh, that is partially because of low expectations of church leadership and Bible class teachers. So if we expect a transformation, we should have uh, some at least small expectations, a memory verse, uh, a selected reading that you want people to do during the week so that they come prepared the next time having thought about what's going to happen. And that also requires that the teacher be prepared enough to know what's coming down the road. So that, like was said, they're not winging it every week. They are, they have a direction that they want the class to go. And then it's important that the class members actually engage with the vision. They say, do I want to be a part of this transformation process? If the answer is yes, then they're able to go on uh, continually learning, continually asking questions. It's very important that you ask your Bible teacher questions uh, for clarification, to further the topic. Um, it's not a monologue up there. It is, it is a dialogue between uh, the teacher, the class members, and most important voice there, scripture. So what exactly uh, we, did you ahead. just disagree with me on? Uh, if you could clarify. So, yeah, no, that, that's fair. So I, I, I thought that you were uh, strict, but fair. 
<laughs> I I think that I think that you were putting forward the idea, maybe a little um, too much pressure on modern Christians to be very, you know, to, to put in a lot of prep work when we've had very low expectations of them in the past. I, I think that that transitions a little too quick. I think Bible class teachers need to give a little bit, uh, start ramping up. Uh, the expectations of class members. And many people will straight up ignore you or they will just stop coming to class because they're not ready for those expectations. So I think it's it's good to go with baby steps. Two things. One, you're justifying or enabling them to have those low expectations. I mean... I, I, I think that I, what I'm... Go ahead. I was just going to say, where I go to church, it's almost expected that class will start 15 minutes late because everybody knows, well, we go on uh, Brentwood time is what we call it, where everybody knows, well, people uh, trickle in, and so we just won't start class on time. And so if people would start class on time, and uh, and I wouldn't say make the people feel bad that show up late, but do something that will say, yeah, you need to start getting here on time because you're disrupting class by coming in late and we have to, oh, by the way, we made these announcements, yada, yada, yada. We took anyway, a whole course uh, in undergrad on shame tactics of ministry. They're highly effective. <laughs> highly recommended. Shame tactics. I love, but for ministers, even better. I like how it's so yeah. specific to the profession. Uh, I, I don't think that should just only be allowed for ministers. I think I should do that in, in my w- workplace as well. How, how to train your congregation through sarcasm. Yeah. Right. And the second thing I was going to say is that uh, the level of involvement is also going to line up with the uh, the maturity level of the Christians that are being involved uh, in it. Sure. Um, I would not expect to see, um, if I was teaching a middle school class, I wouldn't expect them to just show up with notepads and be intently gazing at me just with pure curiosity oozing out of their eyes and mouths. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to depend on the level of class that you're teaching, the the type of people that are in there. Not to say that if the expectations are low, we should dumb them down. Uh can I can I entertain you guys with a question of I know that y'all have taught classes before and and are very involved which is the whole reason that we're doing this podcast uh, but what are some of the pet peeves you guys have for things that go on during Bible class entertain me so I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll give a few um, when you're teaching a class and you see a conversation going on that you know has nothing to do with, like if you knew that there was someone in the back talking about the subject, you would encourage them to talk during class. But you know that they're laughing about something else that has nothing to do with class. Maybe even laughing about you, but, but they're 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 off, not paying attention whatsoever. Um, so that's one. Another one I'll give is when. Um, like you're going, like you, you asked a question, you're going around, people are giving really good answers. And then someone gives uh, a point that is totally off topic. And you're thinking like, how do I say no, but in a nice way too, so that they won't feel like they can never talk again. That's like, the skill it's of not a pet peeve. It's just is yeah. dealing with exactly. Bad there you comments. Go. Um, so uh, a bunch of stuff, cause I, I've been storing up a few things. Um, first thing, commenting on uh, one of Michael's is I 
came back to uh, Fourth Christian, um, all of our high school, at uh, after I graduated and I was leading chapel. And I had dated a girl my senior year, who was then, that was her senior year when I came back. And I was leading chapel, and this girl, I guess it was a bad breakup or something, but she just sat in the back of the auditorium and had the loudest conversation with her neighbor and the worst part is like i could see the neighbor was not interested in the conversation but they were just <laughs> just talking um that was just rough. sheer disrespect yeah she, yes out of spite um two things about what we we're talking about earlier and then i'll answer your question Stephen. uh first i think well I, I agree with what michael was saying that uh the progression into these more in-depth classes should be slow and purposeful um, I think we're we will be surprised by how many people are longing for a good in-depth uh, class that's not just surface level. Um, and the other thing and if you're gonna... not get out, <laughs> oh my, God. no no uh, no no we do not. Um, and the other thing I was going to say. So okay, let me let me interject really quickly there. I think I think sometimes our uh, our deacons and elders, whoever's planning out the class will see those people who um, haven't you know, put in that extra effort. We think that they're not longing for uh, a serious class, a deep class, and we'll treat them that way. I think this is what y'all are saying. They'll say, well, they don't care about what they get, so let's not give them the best teachers. We're going to put the best teachers in, in, the, in these classes. What we need is to put engaging teachers, the teachers who are, first of all, students of the word, but also engaging, actually know how to teach, not just how to read a commentary or read the Greek. So anyway, sorry, Daniel, I interrupted. No, I like that. It sounds like a stand and deliver or something. Um, I, uh, <laughs> the other thing I was going to say, this is real small. I just remember a professor of mine saying this in undergrad uh, and it, just sticking with me, it's a small thing that, but Michael, you're talking about the research that teachers do and how much they gain in the process of uh, researching for a class. And that's something for listeners to understand as well, is that when whatever you hear um, when you're read or when you're in a class or even when you're reading something, you're just reading like uh, an article or a blog post or um, an email. Um, but especially when you're in class and you're listening to the teacher, realize that uh, it's like an iceberg. That I mean, there's only you're only getting part of what they learned to teach you. Um, and that teacher has so much knowledge that they gained in preparing for that class underneath that they don't have time to share. Um, and there's just realize that there's this uh, mine of uh, information and knowledge that you can uh, mine from, that you can glean. Um, you just have to approach them and realize this teacher wants to share everything that they've learned and they're just limited by class time. Now, finally, Stephen, uh, something that I hate and this goes, um, this is in school as well as in church, is the, uh, is the answering, um, the answering to show how smart you are. Um, I don't know. I'm sure there's a, there's a fun name for that, but it's the, uh, give us an example. Oh, um, I once was in a Bible class, this is a, a while ago at this point, um, and a very simple question was asked, sort of like, a, a, in a way, a rhetorical question just to keep the momentum in the class, to have a dialogue going while the teacher's teaching. Uh, the teacher asked a simple question, and 
um, someone in the class answered and they proceeded to recite the entire story of Jonah um, as an answer <laughs> to this question. Um, not like to cite word for word the verse, but like it took them as long as it would take you to read the story of Jonah. I mean, it was five to 10 minutes and I mean, it was impressive. The like, Oh yes, that's when the, uh, the worm comes in. I almost forgot. Um, but it was like the, the class didn't need that. The teacher didn't need that. The, the question didn't need that. He was just um, talking I, to be heard. Yes, he was. It, it was a good answer if it had uh i don't know if he was the biblical writers but it was not so let, let me uh steve i want to give you one more and steven i know you have some too so i want i want you to go after this um let me give a pet peeve though from the other side when i'm sitting in the class a pet peeve that i have of teachers well obviously there's the one where they get up there and say well i started preparing last night i want to either punch them in the face or leave immediately when they say that. Anyway, um, the pet peeve I have uh, most often from teachers is when they will ask a question that is so obvious that no one wants to answer it because the whole class is like, well, it's, it's what you just said like three seconds ago or it's what, you know. Um, or it comes off yeah, as like read... a baited question that you know that they're going to try and turn on you. No, 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 no. Like, like they're wanting to, like, no, just so simple that they're wanting someone to say it out loud. Teachers, that is, that's not a good thing. Ask a question that requires actual thought so that there can be uh, some added value from thought from your class, well, not something where you're asking them to repeat something. I, I think in that's. In addition, so. it's not only that no one's gaining anything, people actively don't want to answer those, and then your class will be awkward. Because right. no one wants right. to answer the obvious question. Uh, I've used that one before, but it's only because you want to ease the class into that comfort of talking. Sure. But I mean, if you're dealing with a class like that, they're, they're difficult just from the get-go. So you're in yeah. for a rough road. Keep it to a minimum. Right. Stephen, what are your stories? Okay. My pet peeve for Bible classes as an audience participant is when a teacher goes uh, up and he's teaching on pick your topic, name it. And there happens to be a really smart person in a class that uh, maybe they're an expert on that topic. And that teacher will not make a single point without consulting well, what did you have to think about this? I'm like, well, if we wanted him to teach the class, we would ask him to teach the class. Just you teach it. Don't worry about this guy. He's not going to if he if he has oh, well actually the Greek says this about such and such, he'll come and tell you after class. Sounds just like an Austin get grad through it issue. if it's well, I, yeah, I wouldn't just uh, the nature of our church is we do have a lot of professors that go to uh, or that are professors at the Austin Graduate School of Theology. Uh, not I, I've seen this at churches all across uh, every state that I've uh, gone to a church in. Especially, it's very common at, in university towns oh, because towns, you have yeah, professors, right. Bible professors that go to the churches around the university. So if you're yeah. teaching a class and you happen to have a, you know, a guy that has a doctorate in whatever Bible field it might be, uh, you know, they're, you're not going to always be the smartest person in the room, even if you are the teacher. Um, 
but yeah i don't like it when they have to like it's like you you tell a joke and you look over to see if your friend thinks it's funny type of a thing <laughs> we it doesn't matter what th- uh this teacher thinks just teach a class and what what makes it bad is when basically they're just having a conversation between themselves the entire time i'm like yeah. there's there's others here buddy we we would like to chip in as well anyway sorry that's what grinds my gears any other stories that no, uh i had gears. Other, any other things so okay i i wanted us to um i know we don't have too much more time but kind of a a long uh a long closing of our conversation. You, you don't have to make this short at all, but uh, what are some, maybe some Bible class ideas that you think our audience might not have thought of before, but the next time someone asks like, Hey, what, are, what do y'all want to talk about in class? What are some, some ideas that someone could throw out that their Bible class could talk through? Or what are some different, maybe formats that you think would be useful to our listeners uh, for their, their congregations to make their Bible classes uh, just a little bit better. You've basically just opened up Pandora's box on this. Oh, this, yeah. This is exactly how bad Bible classes are formed by trying to come up with <laughs> new ways. Like, what if we had a mat with different Bible stories that you could jump to? <laughs> no, I'm trying to combine uh, jumping to conclusions uh, with Bible yes, class, yes. but yeah, you know what I'm saying. Just let's just keep it simple. But as well, far as okay, so whenever whenever I'm having a meeting and we're talking about you know what are we going to do for the next quarter or two quarters down, one of the first things I'll always say, kind of offhandedly, is like, well, we have 66 books that we could talk through. Any of them would be good textual studies. But I personally, I like to do every other quarter textual study, and then the other uh, the off quarters do a topic or do some type of um, you know family building as as a congregation like you know, what's our vision for for example um currently we're going through a series on james ironically i taught james chapter three this morning um next quarter we're going to go through uh the book why they left talking about what makes people stay within a congregation and how we as a congregation can be um, a better family in the future to make sure that people want to stay there uh, the quarter after that, uh, so then we have uh, we're doing a textual study of Exodus, um, and not going through all of it, but uh, thir- thirteen pieces of the text topics there. And then we're doing a restoration history class from a guy who has researched that in the past. Um, so what what I'm saying is you you have variety there, but also uh, seeking to engage the needs. Um, and then anyway, um, but I'm I'm curious about what y'all have. Well, uh, it, let me offer up one uh, one other. Daniel and Stephen, uh, based off of this podcast, uh, and I, Daniel, you helped me out with with more of this. Uh, the preacher and I at our congregation did a Wednesday night class we called the Old Testament Reconsidered, and we were looking at commonly known Old Testament stories, but then asking, you know, is there a, not an updated version, but perhaps a deeper meaning that will renew our interest in those stories and. Um, I really enjoyed looking at what a lot of people have to say about those those very well-known Old Testament stories, but how they have a deep meaning and really uh, a Christ-centered meaning at the center there that we should see rather than just saying, oh, that's a story that we tell in VBS. Sounds like 90% of the class is the witty name that you can get for it. 
revisiting the Old Testament. <laughs> what? Why don't we just have one like letters to Esther? <laughs> letters to Esther. Um, so, oh man, yeah, I I sympathize a lot with what you're saying, Michael. I um, thank you. As someone who has devoted a lot of their study to theology, um, a lot of times the field of religion gets broken up into biblical studies and theology, um, and or biblical theology and systematic theology. You could do, uh, and uh, as a part of that, I lean towards. Uh, approaching everything in categories, categorical thought, where um, we are trying to, uh, okay, so let's talk about love. And now, because um, I think that's valuable for this reason, and then I'll find in scripture what can be said about love rather than going the other direction and I'm going through First Corinthians and then, oh, I happen upon First Corinthians 13 and now we'll talk about love for this part, go back to whatever's next. Um, letting the biblical author dictate your uh your movement of ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really, I teach textual classes as a discipline for myself. If it was up to me and I was purely selfish in all of my Bible class teaching, it would always be topical classes um, or with some sort of gimmick or whatever. Uh, but um, I think as we've said before on this podcast that we are, um, we are a people of the book and we are trying to, we recognize that this is God's revelation. We need to always come back to this eventually, at least. And I like uh, your idea of every other. Um, some ideas, Michael, I'm stealing this from you. you you've often talked about uh, doing um, hymnology classes, talking, um, going through classic hymns and understanding their background and their theological meaning. And I've actually never been a part of a class like that, but just talking with you, as it makes it always sound enchanting. I know uh, my wife Lauren as well always is intrigued by that idea. Um, I was going to let Michael know that that goes against his belief of being sola scripture. It, it, in fact, not at all, Stephen. You, you know are completely does. wrong on this. And let let the podcast audience know. Why don't we just read from our hymnals and memorize those? Michael actually only does that class on the Radiance album by Acapella, which is all scripture <laughs> anyways. Um, that would be funny. Well, no, p- part of – okay. Uh, so one one lesson that I have heavily adapted from Jerry Rushford is him going through the hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. And what Rushford does there is he, he goes through the text of Isaac Watts, and he says, what verse was Isaac Watts looking at? when he wrote this phrase, you know, these three words, and he'll give you a few minutes on that and he'll go to the next. And and it's rich to look at, okay, how does a poet look at the scripture? He, he, he is transformed by it and, you know, uh, uh, see from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love. And Rushford will say, well, you know that if, if, if Watts read his scripture, he would see water and blood flow mingled down. But no, Watts knows that his audience knows that. And so he changes it to sorrow and love flow mingled down. So it's Watts interacting with the scripture. And obviously it's the greatest hymn ever. And so we keep singing it 400 years later because of the richness of, of a mere human interacting with the divine uh, God and, and divine scripture. So, greatest hymn, anyway, really. Um, 
Grand Slam. Just ever. to remind yeah. our listeners, we will be putting out a bracket for the greatest hymn of all time. We could I also do a bracket the... for uh, best uh, class ideas. Um, Stevens will mm. just be uh, sixty-four books. I don't know which two you'll take <laughs> off, and then me and Michael can have a different bracket. Um, we know. I want to list. Uh, I was just going to say, what about? I want to teach a class about the people that angels. God killed. <laughs> killed the Holy Spirit. Uh, for listeners who are unaware, um, Jimmy Crouch uh, has been trying to teach the same two classes for uh, probably since before I was born. Twenty years. Um, Elders keep shooting them down. <laughs> no one will let him. Um, I was going to just list off some classes that I've done and then I, I'm done talking um, is that uh, okay. I think these are all good ideas. Hopefully if, if you're looking for a class to teach, maybe these will help you. Um, one, I've done a Christ in culture class and that, that can be so many different things. And I really used it to talk about so many different things. Uh, but my Christ in culture class, um, one of the main things from it that I like is you talk about um, Christianity as it relates to movies is a big passion of mine and books and stuff like that. So these things that people are familiar with, what, uh, how can we bring Christianity into, uh, um, to bear on that conversation? Uh, recently I've done a crash course in theology. So I'm just taking people through the, the main 12 categories of systematic theology and just helping them understand those. Um, such as uh, Christology and atonement and ecclesiology and stuff like that. Um, also done, uh, I got this actually from Michael, who I believe got it from uh, Harding's Honor Symposium, doing a class on, uh, this is a single class on the Passover, and doing a mock Passover as a part of that is really fun. And then classes where we're trying to better understand our neighbors. And so... Um, do world a world religions class where you spend the whole quarter going over different world religions or um doing one on denominations understanding our um, neighbors uh and the different christian denominations those are all things that i've done i've thought were uh, very useful uh i i kind of agree with daniel the uh christ and culture is that what you called it yeah. Or Christianity and culture, or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily do things like books and media and movies and things like that. I would do uh, more uh, everyday or non-fantasy, not to say that all movies and stuff are fantasy, but um, uh, uh, everyday topics like money, um, uh Sex things, things athletics. that are uh, very common struggles. Sure, athletics would be one that you could easily toss in there. Uh, academics, uh, yeah. things like that. What does the Bible say about these things? Because there's plenty. Uh, not that they are identified directly, but you can take the uh, biblical teachings and then apply them to uh, areas where they would uh, interact with uh, those topics. Um, I had another one, but I, I've I've lost my train of thought. So, uh, Michael, uh, if you wanted to give us some closing words, sure. So, hopefully, uh, our listeners today have have seen that there are plenty of directions that you can go with a Bible class. 
Uh, we hope that our listeners will give us some feedback on some Bible classes that they have enjoyed or different ideas that they have for Bible classes. Uh, but with that, we'll go ahead and conclude our podcast for this week. Join us next week as we continue the conversation on uh, another interesting topic uh, about Christian living and uh, how we are to go on from there. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.